Welcome to the Bible Rundown. It is day 144, 1 Chronicles 22 through 24. A lot of even numbers today. I like that. So, Rob, we talked about the chronicler left out Bathsheba, but Bathsheba is important because she is the mother of Solomon. That's right. Hey, uh, <laughs> I, I, I had to think there for a minute. I was like, what, what's he talking about here? But Solomon I is not. I thought you were trying to trick me. I'm not. There's no trick questions okay. on with me. But Solomon is not left out because Solomon was the one who would complete the work that David desired to do, but the Lord said he could not, right? Building the temple. So Solomon is charged by David to build the temple. Listen to some of this language, Rob, and tell me what you think it recalls. Because one of the things the chronicler does is lift language from some of the other earlier Old Testament books we've read through and repeat some of the language here. So here's some of David's words, right? Uh, Talking to Solomon, he says, uh, verse 11, Now my son, the Lord be with you, so that you may succeed in building the house of the Lord your God as he has spoken concerning you. Only may the Lord grant you discretion and understanding that when he gives you charge of Israel, you may keep the law of the Lord your God then you will prosper if you are careful to observe the statutes and the rules that the Lord commanded Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Fear not. Do not be dismayed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hearkening us back to Joshua. Man, it's like almost verbatim, right? Moses giving Joshua the, the charge to take on what God has already started in his work and to continue it into the promised land, right? So this, mm-hmm. this is... This is kind of ushering it, us into the promised land. The promised land is a picture of what, David? It's a picture of heaven, mm-hmm. the eternal rest of God, and then the the kingdom of David's son, which is Solomon, is another uh, picture of eternal rest where the presence of God dwells. Again, going back to the Garden of Eden, the place, the land where God dwells among his people, gives them rest, will will be this Jerusalem, this God has called Abraham back to this land. Now he's given him the land through Joshua. And now Solomon is another type. Joshua was a type of Christ. Now Solomon is a type of Christ. But I love the scripture in verse 9, David. You can comment on it. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. Mm-hmm. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies, for his name shall be Solomon. I will give him peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. He shall build my son, and I will be his father. I will establish the th- his throne in Israel forever. So rest, a house, um, um and and a son and his throne will be established forever. So God God is doing exactly what he did through Solomon, he does through Christ, right? Yeah. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Rest. Yeah. And he will build a house. What's the house built out of? Us. Living Us. stones, right? Yeah, uh, that are that are his temple, his dwelling place. He will he will be a son. I will call him the father. He's the son of God, and he will establish his throne 
forever mm-hmm. in the new Jerusalem. So mm-hmm. Jesus fulfills all of these prophecies um, here about the son who is a type of Jesus, who is Solomon. And we talked about it uh, earlier, but tonight we're going to be doing a, a little discussion in our midweek study about Philippians 4. How do we experience what the peace of God in the midst of anxiety yeah. and suffering? And so yeah. God's design is to be a God of peace. Peace and rest. And so for some of us, that suffering that we endure in this life points us forward to the rest we will enter into, but it doesn't uh, neglect the fact that we can experience some of the rest now. The other thing that we've been talking about, verse 19 of chapter 22, set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Rob, how critical is it every day Mm. to set our mind to seek the Lord? If we don't do that, what what could be the outcomes from our day if we lose track? Well, and I think the context here is key because you can get caught up on the next verse, arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God, so the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God may be brought into the house, built for the name of the Lord. The point is to set your mind and heart to seek the Lord so that you can do His work. If you focus Mm. on the work instead of seeking the Lord, then the work becomes your idol and you've missed what you're actually called to do and so it messes up the process so that you have to stay in the process seek the lord and then do his work it's kind of like the gospel right we love therefore we do not we do so that we can love we we love god therefore we do the work of god you got to get that right and that's what paul says over and over in all the epistles is the grace of God through faith, and now it's your you're His workmanship created to, in Christ to do good works. But if you've missed the point of God's glory and salvation, y- you have no reason to continue to try to do the works because they're empty works. You've lost your first love, as Revelation tells us. Yeah. Anything <clears throat> else in chapter 22? No, I think... 23 will be interesting to hear your thoughts on the organization of the Levites and the priest. I think you have some good thoughts on this. Why don't you why don't you shoot? Well, I just looking at what I wrote down in my notes, right? And we didn't talk about this, so we'll dialogue about it now. But interesting the age tied with the census for the Levites mm-hmm. and the sons of Aaron, right? There's a age 30 years old. 30 years old, and later on it'll reference 20 years old. I need to look and see why there's the discrepancy between those ages. But I think in general what we're getting at is adult men are the ones that are tasked with the service for the nation, Mm -hmm. right? And we'll see even more in chapters 25 through 27, but some of the things that I wrote down, areas that they're going to oversee are things like the worship, right? The music. They're going to be in charge of guarding the temple. Mm -hmm. They're going to be in charge of the military. They're going to be in charge of the facility itself, right? The temple grounds and what goes on in it. They're going to be in charge of the money. 
this sounds a lot like we've recently restructured our guiding document for our deacon body. Yeah. But we outlined some things that I think we see clearly even here in how David and Solomon organized the nation for the work of the Lord, right? Yeah. yeah. And so uh, the stewardship of what God has given us as a ministry to the Lord is a key thing that keeps our service fresh, but keeps it as a, like you said, act of love in service with God for the benefit of his people. Right. And that, and that, uh, that word in, in the beginning where Adam is supposed to work and keep the garden is that terminology that we've seen throughout the scriptures for the Levites and the priest. They're to work it and to keep it or guard it. And we see that here. They're working it and guarding it. And so when we even think about elders and deacons, work and guard are very key key com- components of what we want our deacons and we want our elders to do. And, and you know, they're really they're re- really protecting the work of God, the presence of God among His people, His His people's you know the doctrine of the scriptures more for elders but all these things are are in crucial components yeah and then the the last observation i had was 24 verse 19 so these had as their appointed duty and their service to come into the house of the lord according to the procedure established for them by aaron their father as the lord god of israel commanded so i kind of wrote down like there's this ongoing intergenerational mentoring or discipleship aspect, right? Mm-hmm. That's what sets apart the church, right? right? Is that we are a diverse group of multiple sure. ages, but for our young men and women, we need the older generation. And it's important that we don't throw out traditions that are healthy for the church to help guard us in terms of our worship, right? Right. right progress for the sake of progress could lead us in the wrong direction and uh, I think second Timothy uh, has some good advice on that right chapter 3 where Paul talks about you have followed my teaching my conduct and my aim in life so I asked a young guy that I've been meeting with could you say that about your own life and are the guys that you're being invested by or into from or is their life worth imitating? Mm-hmm. And I think if we really took seriously that idea that we're modeling in the same way that Aaron was given a command by God and he passed it on, you know, what would our discipleship look like? It ought to have this aspect that we've put it into practice in our own life and we can pass it on not just by teaching it, but by modeling it and people can see it in effect. I got a tough question for you. Go for I'm it. I'm going to shoot. So obviously they cast lots for to see how they're organized here. Yeah. And they believe so much in the sovereignty of God. Sure. That they're rolling a dice to determine who goes where. Sure. Is this is this prescriptive, descriptive? Is this something that we should follow? Is this something that is good? Is this is this something we shouldn't do? I mean, obviously, Matthias was cast lots to, to, to claim him as the disciple to replace Judas in Acts. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it could be both, right? How is it any different if you and I 
pray at the end of this podcast about the decision we need to make on behalf of the church. And one of the things that we pray about is asking the Lord to guide us into who should be taking on a certain role of responsibility. We finish our prayer time and the Lord lays on our heart, person A, right? John, whoever John may be. And we, hopefully it's like John the Baptist, right? Hopefully. We, yeah. need, we need a godly man. Or the apostle John. I'll take him either. But I think that that's the thing, right? When we make decisions, we we trust that if we've prayed and, and sought, like we talked about earlier, we seek the Lord, that how he's leading us, if we're in obedience to his word, is going to be according to his will. Right. But sometimes we don't see his will totally come to fruition right. for some time. So there's always this aspect of we walk by faith. Right. But God does call us to make decisions, to trust. So essentially, you're saying that we ought to trust in the sovereignty of God. Yeah. And whether we do that via lots or if we have a spreadsheet of names and we pray over it and then we pick from there a list of men or women for a certain task, right. we should trust that in God's sovereignty he's laid the right people in our hearts. So why has the church been so against casting lots or kind of doing that? you know, as far as, as, you know, choosing things to do, what, how come all of a sudden the church is not for that? Yeah. I, I don't know. It'd be an interesting study to see it, right? Maybe I'm I'll asking write a really hard questions, but no, I don't think it's a hard question. I think it's, I think we have tied so much question. of that to like gambling, sure. right? Sure. And, and those kind of things. And clearly in early scriptures, the heart is not behind that. Right. It's not, we're not talking Monopoly or Yahtzee dice, right? right? Like this was a practical way that they made decisions in their time. It's no different than now of like making a pros and cons list and saying, well, the pros, these pros outweigh these cons. So let's go with that decision. Sure. Right. Sure. Between two options, A and option B, we do this every single day. The question that you're getting back at is, did you pray over it? Do you, you trust God to lead you? Do you trust the sovereignty of God in it as well? Exactly. I mean, do you trust that God's going to have his man? He's going to open the door and make it clearly and abundantly uh, in preference. I think of like, you know, when we, we hired a youth pastor and we were going through the process, we had multiple guys that were that were good enough to be our youth pastor here. Just not the best. We chose someone who we felt that God led us to. Right. Right? Yeah. I mean, and we trusted that that was God's man for our situation. And and this is the other thing. We don't make safe decisions. We make God-centered decisions. Mm-hmm. Many decisions that we make may be more planted in the cons list from a human perspective. But if the peace of God is centered in that cons list that we know if we go against it, we won't have peace in our decision— then that's the sovereignty of God at work, right? Right. That we can trust him even from a limited human perspective that something that seems foolish to us, if the peace of God is in that decision and he makes it fruitful, it was his will. Yeah. This is uh, the podcast. We're going to do something crazy tonight, which is we're going to do a dual preaching, kind of a podcasty environment in which <laughs> we're we... We're going to try. We, we, we attempt to do that. We're the Bible Rundown. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>